and he is preparing for his impending death. So he appeals to young Timothy, and he asks him to come be with him in prison. Paul wants Timothy to accept his calling as a leader and commands him to deal with the corrupt teachers in Ephesus. Paul calls Timothy, and this is hard, this is a hard uh, pill to swallow for Timothy, to reject any temptation to deny Jesus. Paul asks Timothy to reject any fear or shame of the good news. Paul empowers Timothy as any good mentor does. Paul knows that following Jesus is not easy. Sound familiar? No one's responding. (laughs) Does it sound familiar? Yes. And it will not be an easy task for Timothy. Paul calls Timothy to rise up faithful leaders to combat the false teachers in Ephesus. They were spreading false teachings like a cancer. Paul says in 2 Timothy, For this reason I remind you to stir into the flame the gift of God that you have through the imposition of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather of power and love and self-control. So do not be ashamed of your testimony to our Lord, nor of me, a prisoner for his sake. But bear your share of hardship for the gospel with the strength that comes from God. In the end, the personal presence of Jesus was the only one left with Paul. Caesar had beheaded him in 66 AD. For a minute, put yourself in Paul's shoes. You're in prison. It's cold. It's wintertime. You are sitting in a hole in the ground. You're hungry, you're thirsty, and you're waiting to die. The only person you have left is Jesus. What would you say to him, knowing that you're going to die for him? What would you say? Paul surrendered his life for Jesus, much like we do each and every day. In that surrender, do we gain joy? Joy is internal and something we carry when we are in union with Jesus. It makes the hard days easier and the easy days blissful. Happiness, on the other hand, is external. It's fleeting. If I eat that extra piece of cake, I'll be happy for the now, but tomorrow I might not feel so great. Being a follower of Christ brings joy, and we exude that joy to others. So much so, Paul was an example of someone willing to die for it. Another huge impact in my life has been the role of mentors. They have been key in my formation and sustainability in my various leadership roles. I can relate to Timothy when he was summoned by St. Paul. I have such a deep respect and love for my mentors. I would do anything for them. I did wonder, though, what I I have done, what Timothy had to do to get to St. Paul. He probably had to travel by camel or donkey to go to see him. I wonder how long it took him to get there. Was it dangerous? How did he feel along the journey? Was he alone? Was he scared? Was he safe? When I go to visit my mentors, I pull up to Panera, shut my car door, and I walk in. Without my mentors, I would not be where I am today. They have listened to me for countless hours, walked with me, literally and figuratively, and spent adequate time getting to know my personality all the good and all the bad parts. They have pushed me forward when I felt unworthy or not experienced enough. They imparted their wisdom upon me and put things in perspective to help me see things in a different light. They saw something in me as Paul saw in Timothy, a skill set to be cultivated. They accompanied me and never gave up on me. What they have given me, I plan to give back someday. 
which is an investment in the future of the church. St. Augustine says, Each of us has something to learn from the other and something to teach in return. The relationship Paul and Timothy had was familiar to me, as it was built on trust. Paul encouraged Timothy to be courageous. I was refreshed when I read this, and it reminded me that traditions of the Bible have not been lost. They are alive and well, alive and well in us. The spirit of the living God dwells in the scriptures. He speaks to us through them. Think back to those who have mentored you along the way. What did they say? How did they make you feel? What was the experience like? My mentors, even though this is not theologically correct, are my angels here on earth. God has placed them in my life for a reason. Now we're going to move into section three. But before we do, let's pray another mantra together. Spirit of the living God, dwell in us. 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 I'm just making sure you're still awake. (laughs) As you will recall, I started this reflection referring to myself in the third person from Jesus' perspective. Remember that? So here's the real reason why I did that. Here I am. Colleen Lindsay, Archdiocesan Director, Doctoral Candidate, Speaker, Mentor, Mentee, Daughter, Sister, Friend, Public Figure in the Church with degrees and letters behind my name. And I struggled to share my faith story. It's hard for me to write this. Very hard for me to write this. Before I press delete... I stopped and thought, no, leave it in. Jesus, you might be on to something. And that's when I made him the narrator. I figured he needed a job to do. After further reflection, I realized that talking about our Lord and my God and my best friend is something deeply personal. It is so sacred and special to me that I have packed it tightly into the deepest chambers of my heart. Does this sound familiar to anyone? I'm hoping I'm not the only person here tonight that feels this way. Very often I refer to Jesus in my work, as I frequently talk about him, his power, and what he can do for others to transform their lives. But this reflection forced me to talk about him in a different way, as I had to tell my story, the story of the Apostle Colleen. In reality, it's not my story, it's his story. By the way, all good ideas usually come from someone else. So with all transparency, Colleen the Apostle came from Paul in his writings to Timothy. He said, I am an apostle according to the promise of life. Before he was to die, he announced himself as an apostle, knowing of his impending death. Julianne Stans, national speaker and author, says it best during her talk on Formed, and I quote, Our faith in today's culture has become so personalized, we are in a sense afraid to speak it, share it, and proclaim it. As Catholics, we do not talk about Jesus Christ very often, and we do not keep his name on our lips. And that is a huge issue for us. Sharing the person of Jesus, which is what the Gospels are centered on, is important. 
There is tremendous power in speaking and keeping the name of Jesus Christ on our lips. In the United States, many Catholics will not speak about their relationship with Jesus Christ. We are much more comfortable speaking about the church and not Jesus Christ and how he is moving every day in our lives. Part of evangelizing is to help recover who Jesus is and how we can speak Jesus into a culture that at times seems allergic even to the name of Jesus Christ, end quote. Sharing our personal stories of Jesus in the Eucharist is a powerful way to recover who Jesus is to ourselves and to those around us. Think about a personal encounter you have had with Jesus in the Eucharist. If you cannot think of one, pray about it. If you have had one, share it with a friend, with your prayer group, or someone at home. You will be surprised how many encounters with the Lord we have had and never shared. Just in this church alone, probably hundreds, maybe thousands. The church at large, millions. My friends, it is no coincidence that we are here in this very space and time in history to lean into one another, to listen and to encourage each other as beacons of hope in a divisive world consumed by tragedy, sin, evil, and an ever-growing war on the church and her message. With God, there is no such thing as coincidence, but there is one thing for certain. His providence will rise before the sun. God is and always will be. He says in Revelation 22:13, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Understanding the depth of our calling in the Lord takes courage. Is the journey easy? Is it easy? There's one lady shaking her head. Thank you. No, of course not. And if you answered it is easy, you need to talk to Father Tom. As Paul teaches us in Timothy, every Christian's life is marked with persistent challenges, struggles, and suffering. Following Jesus involves risk and inviting tension and discomfort into our lives. In those dark and difficult moments, Jesus becomes real and tangible to us as he did to Paul in his last hours. I often call upon God the Father for strength, Jesus for courage, and the Holy Spirit for right judgment. When I am alone, I am in conversation with our Trinitarian God almost all day long for guidance, peace, and knowledge to do God's will. The prayer to St. Michael is another favorite of mine. I say it every day at the same time and place, in addition to calling upon my own guardian angel. Call upon your guardian angel. Let's pray together a prayer that I remember saying with my mother every night before bed when I was a little girl. Together. Angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love commits me here, ever this day be at my side, to light, to guard, to rule, to guide. Amen. God bestowed each and every one of us with a guardian angel, an angel to protect and guide us throughout all the days of our lives. As St. Basil the Great said, beside each believer stands an angel as protector and shepherd, leading him to life. Having a routine and consistent prayer life is essential to enlivening one's personal relationship with Jesus. You won't be disappointed. I was recently talking to a friend of mine and I was having one of those hard days. We all have them. And she recommended that I should pray the surrender prayer to the sacred heart of Jesus. 
In fear and with tears streaming down my face, I said, no, no, no. I don't want to surrender anymore. I cannot surrender anymore. This is a true story. Looking back now, how foolish of me, but so uniquely human. The next day I felt remorse and thought of Jesus on the cross. I thought of his hands and the nails piercing through them and his shoulder wound, the most painful wound of all. I was shortly reminded of Luke 48. Much will be required of the person entrusted with much, and still more will be demanded of the person entrusted with more. There are so many different dimensions to enlivening our personal lives with Jesus. As someone who works for the church, I am often surrounded by church. However, I must make sure that my own personal relationship with Jesus is not just my work. I must pray and pray without ceasing. I pray to God the Father often for strength and courage. I soak in Jesus' presence and adoration, and most of the time I just listen. I bring a journal and write. Silence is what I crave, and it is in the silence my cup is filled. I try to go to daily Mass, schedule permitting. While I'm driving, I play worship music and thank our Lord for all the blessings in my life. I try to have an attitude of gratitude. I say that with a smile on my face. Attitude of gratitude. Our Lord is so good to us. It's easy to forget. Praying the rosary along with divine mercy while driving is another favorite of mine. Father DeLacy, my supervisor, he reminds us not to get the rosary beads wrapped around the steering wheel. He wants us all to be safe. I turn on the app. I have apps on my phone. I turn them on and I pray along. Whatever works. It helps me to concentrate. I frequent the sacrament of confession. It's a must. I also wanted to share for those of us who do work in ministry how easy it is to sometimes feel that we must always have all the answers all the time and be everything to everyone all the time. While it is important to, of course, be credible witnesses, it's okay to sometimes take a step back and say, let me investigate that. A friend of mine sent this to me and I wanted to share. I don't know the author. I wish I did. Your calling at times may feel like it may crush you. If you are called to mend the brokenhearted, you are going to wrestle with brokenheartedness. If you are called to prophecy, you are going to struggle to control your tongue. If you are called to lay hands on the sick, you may battle spiritual viruses and infirmities. If you are called to preach and teach the gospel, you will be sifted for the wisdom that anoints your message. If you are called to empower, your self-esteem will be attacked. Your self-esteem will be hard fought and dragged through the mud of gossip. Your failures will be highlighted all over and your flaws will be introspected. Your calling will come with cups, thorns, and sifting that is necessary for your mantle to be distilled, authentic, humble, and powerful. Your crushing won't be easy because your assignment won't be easy. But Jesus will fill your cup. He is with us. Your oil is not cheap. Many are called. Few are chosen. It is important for each of us to recognize the gifts that God has bestowed on us and to cultivate these gifts. We are each apostles of our risen Lord. The Eucharist, the source and summit of our faith, will sustain us, reverence him, adorn him, worship him. 
I hope that through my experience and sharing this evening, I may be a witness to the world and to you in a culture where everything that we stand for as Christians, as Catholics, is countercultural. My goal in this reflection simply is to be a sign of hope in a world who is so desperate for it. Let us remember that God's time is not our time. 2 Peter 3.8 reminds us, But do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. If you are praying for a special intention, God hears you. Keep approaching our Eucharistic Lord with the faith of a mustard seed. That is all he asks of us. Let us remember the powerful words St. Pope John Paul II said after his first words, after taking his papal name, Be not afraid. Be not afraid. He also writes, The Eucharist is the secret of my day. It gives strength and meaning to all of my activities of service to the church and to the whole world. Let Jesus' presence in the Blessed Sacrament speak to your hearts. It is he who is the true answer of the life that you seek. He stays here with us. He is God with us. Seek him without tiring. Welcome him without reserve. Love him without interruption, today, tomorrow, and forever. With the Eucharist, the intimacy becomes total. The embrace between God and man reaches its apex. Bring to him all of your hopes and all of your desires to love. Jesus waits for us in the sacrament of love. Keep smiling. He sees you. He hears you. And never forget how much he loves you. In closing, let us pray with joy. Jesus, I trust in you. 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 Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Colleen. I invite you to turn to number 442 for our meditation history.